Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Here are your co-hosts, Doug Maurice and Shahan Jeharaja. And we're back on the College Football Survivor Show. You know, the basketball tournament is this week. It's not a basketball show, Shahan. Sometimes we delve into a little basketball content. We have a good basketball football crossover idea for the other show this week. But when you get brackets, right, you get brackets. I want to bracket everything in my life. You have, oh, these teams play each other. Oh, if they both win, they might play each other later. So we are talking on this show about games we would like to see in the college football playoff that we have never seen before. So it's matchups that in the nine years of the playoff have not yet happened that we want to see. And again, a lot of what we do here is looking forward to the 12-team playoff world when we're just going to have more opportunities for stuff like this. But Shahan, everybody does it. As soon as the bracket comes out for basketball, you're going through and saying like, oh man, look who could meet in the Elite Eight. So we're doing a version of that. Schools that have never played each other, this should be fun, right? I think so. And I, I think that we got a good example of this this past year. We've been waiting forever for Ohio State to play Georgia and kind of see, oh, well, it's Ohio State, that kind of team that can go over the top of the Georgia defense and maybe cause them some issues. And the answer was mostly yes. We, we really did get, I think, the game that we all hoped for in a lot of ways. And so, I, no, I'm, I'm very excited about this one. I think that there's a lot. The one thing that does make this interesting is that a lot of the matchups involving the teams that are in the playoffs pretty often have already happened. So I think that we have to go a little bit further down board, maybe in some ways. But uh, the, the fun thing about this is that when we head into 2024, uh, we're going to be talking about matchups that are much more likely whenever we're heading into a 12-team playoff. So, for instance, you're very right there. Bama has played 13 playoff games in the nine years. Alabama is is two and two against Clemson, one and one against Ohio State, and one and one against Georgia. So, Bama's taken on all comers when it comes to those programs. They're one and zero against Oklahoma. They played Lincoln Riley. They're one and zero against Notre Dame. They played that great traditional power. They're one and zero against Michigan State and Washington, which are just two kind of like one off teams, interesting teams from other big town conferences. They're one and zero against Cincinnati. They took on the group of five team. So Bama, for instance, it's a little more difficult to find who you want Bama to play, right? Because Bama really has kind of run the gamut. So we are, we're looking for some weird matchups. I have one that's not weird. That really is truly my number one, but I'm not going to start there. I'm going to save it because I don't want to have that conversation yet. We'll have it. We'll see if you bring it up, but Bama, Bama is going to be, a little more difficult to find great matchups. So I'm going to start us off and we'll each, we'll go back and forth. We'll each pick four or five until we cover the ones that we need to cover. And I will say there is a team here that's a little bit cheating because it's a team 
that hasn't been in the playoff in the nine years. But really, it's because of a guy who has been in the playoff. And we want to see that guy. So I'm going to start off with USC Georgia, which kind of, Shahan, is like the Ohio State Georgia thing, which is, okay, what are the best offenses in college football? There's the Ryan Day offense at Ohio State. There's a Lincoln Riley offense, first at Oklahoma, now at USC. You want to see it against the best defense. We've seen Riley Saban. Doesn't mean we can't put Bama USC on this list because they haven't played. But we did see Alabama Oklahoma in a semifinal in 2019, right? After um, Kyler Murray beat out Tua Tonga Vailoa for the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, no, 2018. 2018. 2018. 2018. And uh, Bama won that game. And Tua had better stats than Kyler in that game. So I'm starting with Georgia because that would be new and fresh and Lincoln Riley, Kirby Smart. Let's do it right now. Let's do it this coming season. Caleb Williams versus all those returning stars on Georgia's defense. Shahan, I'm ready for it tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I will say I feel like I would love for USC to get one more year of development before we have this matchup. I kind of question whether USC is going to be ready by 2023 to play this kind of game. But we have talked about it. Georgia does have some key questions, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And and realistically, right, I do think that USC, maybe not to the extent of Ohio State last year, but I do think they'd be able to move the ball. I think that Caleb Williams is an incredible college quarterback. Uh, he's probably the best quarterback in the country heading into next season. And defensively, if Georgia's not the killer that they were this year offensively, maybe that creates a few more opportunities. I don't know. This wasn't number one on my list. It was on my list. Uh, I, I think that definitely, you know, look, again, we saw with Ohio State last year, Georgia, when they're matched up against that kind of offense, can show some holes at some points. And I'd be curious to see with a player like Caleb Williams, who I think is a better college football player than, than you know, even CJ Stroud was last year for Ohio State, uh, and somebody who's obviously so mobile and functions so well on the fly. I'd be very curious to see him match up uh, with the Georgia secondary that has been really good, but also has at times been in a great team, in a great unit, maybe the weak point of the team. We're just going to throw every team with a good quarterback at Georgia if they haven't played <laughs> him in the playoff yet. Like, there's a version of what you want to do here. And again, yeah, the Ohio yeah. State-Georgia matchup last year, they had only played once before in their history. They had played in a bowl game in 93. So those programs, Georgia-Ohio State, two great programs, barely any interaction. That's a lot of this, too. Georgia-USC, they've played three times. 1931? 1933, 1960. USC has won all three games. Georgia has scored a combined three points in those three games. By the way, can I just make note of this this ridiculous uh, – well, how they used to do it in the old days. The 1960 USC football schedule, they played th three straight weeks against three of the four playoff teams from last year. This was their schedule in 1960. On Saturday, September 24th, they hosted TCU and they lost 7-6. to six. On Saturday, October 1st, they were at Ohio State and they lost 20 to nothing. And then they came home and for some reason played Georgia on a Friday. They had, had six days between Ohio State and Georgia and they had to get from Columbus back to LA in between that and they beat Georgia 10-3. to three. So that's just a regular like 
weeks two through four of the 1960 football schedule for USC, TCU, Ohio State, Georgia. That's cool. And then we'll get into conference play. Oh, those were the days, Sean. <laughs> Do you think they like took the Amtrak there? How how are they? Because the other thing too, when we think about all this sort of stuff, when you're going around the country like that, we have to remember flying on a plane was incredibly dangerous in those days. Like there were plane crashes all the time. That's kind of crazy uh, by the USC athletic director at the time to try to do all of that. That seems like a little much. And I didn't look up. I'm sure there probably was like a rodeo in the stadium on Saturday. And they're like, oh, yeah, play on Friday. <laughs> you know, it's like how stuff used to be back then. I just assume everybody up until like 1985 took trains everywhere. It's like it's a four-day train ride from Columbus back to L.A. We'll stop in a in a pasture and like practice football for an hour on the way. It's 1960. It's not 1911. But still. That's the last time that USC and Georgia played in 1960. They haven't played since then. So let's do it. So I think this should be really high, both for great traditional powers on opposite coasts, let's do it, and for Riley versus Smart, let's do it. So I'm going to stick with one of these teams for my first pick. I'm going to stick with USC, but this isn't really picking USC. This is picking Lincoln Riley. Because I think there are two coaches who are probably as similar to each other, as comparable to each other as any coaches in college football. Uh, they, they came into college football within a couple of years of each other. They arrived at their jobs in similar ways. I think that you could argue that one's rise led to the other. I'm going Lincoln Riley versus Ryan Day, USC versus Ohio State. This is... These are two coaches who I think get compared to each other a lot. And now I will say, especially in this moment, I mean, what Ryan Day has going on at Ohio State is just further along than what Lincoln Riley has at USC. But I also kind of think that uh, I, I would love to see this matchup from the perspective of obviously Caleb Williams heading into this game. I, I think that this would really be a shootout. I think that Ohio State obviously has some great defensive players, but USC is incredibly dynamic. I mean, other than the team that they play and practice every day, Ohio State's defense has not seen anything, I think, like USC in a lot of ways. So this would be a fun matchup. I think it would be a true chess match. I personally like Lincoln Riley as a pure X's and O's football coach, just a little more than Ryan Day. But this would be a good opportunity to be proven wrong. I think it would be an incredible matchup. So how did the idea of, I mean, not the idea, USC is joining the Big Ten in 26, in 2024, and they're going to be conference rivals. Did that factor in at all? Or are you sort of like, hey, man, let's get this on in this playoff as soon as we can. Yeah, they're going to play in conference play, but who cares? Yeah, I mean, for me, for me, I think that there is just a completely different level of awareness and stakes and attention that comes whenever you are playing in the college football playoff versus playing some conference game. Uh, I, I just think that they're completely different, frankly. And so for me, I'd love to intro USC to the Big Ten by first playing a Big Ten team in the college football playoff. I think that that would be really exciting. I think it would give a little bit of a preview. And I think that because of that, because of the fact that they're entering the Big Ten, I think it would be one of the more anticipated playoff games we've ever had. So I... I'm all here for it. I, I really like the idea. Um, again, the, the, these these teams do have some history together. In a 16-year period between January 1st, 1969 and January 1st, 1985, they played six Rose Bowls against each other. So we know like 
Archie Griffin and Woody Hayes. And like we know there's a great history with Ohio State and USC there. They played a home and home in 89 and 90. They played another home and home in 2008 and 2009. And I remember covering that. It's how how much things have changed. The big thing then was Jim Tressel at Ohio State versus Pete Carroll at USC. Both of them had been Ohio State assistants under Earl Bruce back in the day. And I can remember, I, I tell the story a lot, the late, great Earl Bruce. And they were so, it, we had a huge, in the Cleveland Plain Dealer, we blew it out. We blew out back in the days when newspapers did stuff like this. And the big head time, headline for us was Vest versus West, because it was Jim Tressel in his sweater vest versus Pete Carroll. And I wrote this whole gigantic story about like these contrasting styles, kind of buttoned up, senatorial Ohio State, and then Pete Carroll's like letting Snoop Dogg and Will Ferrell come to practice at USC, and like what a contrast. But they both started at Ohio State, and get ready, cover your kids' ears. I'm sorry, do you have to do like a warning when you say stuff like this on podcasts? <laughs> we don't usually go here, so I don't. But I, this is a story I have to say it. I can't bleep yeah, yeah. out the story. So I, so Earl Bruce was was hanging around. It's great at Ohio State. Like Earl Bruce hung around until his death. John Cooper is just there. John Cooper's like at Ryan Day's news conference all the time. He's get to hang out with. So I was asking Earl Bruce for the story. It's like, hey, man, you were the head coach. Both of these guys were your assistants. <laughs> and he was talking about Tress. He loved Jim Tressel. And then he was talking about Pete Carroll. He's like, I don't know what Pete's doing out there. They're playing grab ass all day. And I was like, <laughs> so I tell my grab ass Earl Bruce story all the time. And it's like, it was just, it's such a contrast and trying to styles. And now here we are. It's not a contrast in styles. Yeah. You like, you want this, Shahan, because they're similar. And we're yeah. going to get them. In conference play, but let's get him in the playoff even sooner. Yes, yes, definitely. I will say, uh, on your point, I absolutely love whenever programs have these coaches who just hang around forever. I think that's the coolest thing. Actually, at Baylor, you know, uh, people who were around in the 80s and 90s might know the name Grant Taff. Uh, he was somebody who coached for a long time, won a couple of Southwest Conference championships, was actually, uh, actually is probably better known in some ways as like a leader in the coaching community. He was the president of the American Football Coaches Association for a long time. Uh, actually, the office is in Waco because of it, which... I love Waco, but I apologize to all college football coaches. That makes no sense. But, uh, you know, and, and Grant Taft is just around all the time at Baylor stuff. He's like 90 years old at this, at this point and still just shows up places. So I love that sort of thing. I love to hear that, that Ohio State still has that going on. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's fun. Let's do one after this break that I've been, that I was thinking about and I, I researched a little bit. And I think we need, I think we need another version of this. And we'll do it next on the College Football Survivor Show. Previously on the College Football Survivor Show. And when we look at Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and Ohio State, the four playoff teams from last year, do you believe Georgia will be better or worse this year? Worse. Do you believe Ohio State will be better or worse this year? Worse. Do you believe TCU will be better or worse this year? Way worse. Do you think Michigan will be better or worse this year? Better. Is Michigan going to win the national title? No. Okay. This is where my conversation starts because I am wrapped in an enigma and rolled in mustard. Catch the latest episode of the College Football Survivor Show wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, Doug LaMaurice, Shahan Jeharaja back. I'm going to pick a matchup that 
we had a version of this. It didn't happen in the current structure of the playoff, but we did have it as a national title game. But I still, I still want it because it's two great powers who had this. They did square off for a national championship, but they, in a lot of ways, kind of otherwise missed each other a little bit. So I'm trying to figure out who I want Bama to play because Bama's played so many schools. So I want Bama versus Miami. And I want the U to come back and I want them to be welcomed back to the upper echelon of college football by the dynasty of this era. Now, they did play in the 1993 Sugar Bowl to end the 1992 season when Alabama, they were both undefeated and Alabama wins 34-13 to win that national championship. It's a one versus two matchup. It's a great showdown, right? It's a great matchup. They're also, they before, so they they have not played that often though. That was kind of like a big deal to get them in that game. Um, their last, they also played this kick, like this preseason game in 2021 that was like, to me, is Saban, the diabolical scheduling genius, where he gets these fake good teams at neutral site games and he kicked Miami's butt. I want the real Miami back, though. But the thing that caught my eye, that, that great national championship game, let's do that again. The game that wasn't great, it was a great matchup. 1979, Shahan, this interested me. Howard Schnellenberger, I think, is in year two at Miami. Bear Bryant has a couple more years left at Alabama. And these two teams play in the regular season in 1979, on November 17th, 1979. It's the first game ever televised from Bryant-Denny Stadium for Alabama because Alabama at that time played a lot of its bigger games at Legion Field in Birmingham. So it was the first TV game, and it's a little bit – you don't realize it at the time, certainly, but it's a little bit of a torch passing. And I have another torch passer that I want to talk about later. But it's – Howard Schnellenberger is just starting – just creating what Miami is going to become in the 80s. And Bear Bryant's got a couple more years left, but he's going to leave and then pass away, and then Bama's going to stop being Bama for a little while, right? So that, that 1992 national championship game was a nice crossover, right? That's sort of like Bama's, that's the Gene Stallings. They're starting to maybe get it together a little bit, then they kind of don't. But Miami, they're still there. I want this again. I want these generational, like, Depending when you grew up, you would say, oh, who's the best program in college football? If you grew up in a certain era, you might say Alabama. If you grew up in a different era, you might say Miami. That's what I think of. So I want stuff like that, Shahan. Even though we got a taste of it before, I was trying to think of who I want Bama to play because they've played so many teams. And you could go Bama, USC. Maybe you will later. But we've seen Saban Riley in a playoff game. So I was looking for something else for Saban. And wouldn't it be interesting, what if what if this is Miami getting it back and Mario Cristobal is getting it back again and you can you can go through Alabama again to get there? I'd like to see it. I think the difficulty for me with this one is how likely do we think it is that Miami actually gets quote unquote back? Like, obviously, they made this huge swing with Mario Cristobal, and and they have great recruiting classes coming in. Maybe this is the thing that flips it. But, man, it's been it's been a hot minute since Miami has been a relevant football team. I mean, we are, like you said, you know, we have this game in 1992 whenever the U is rolling. Uh, I will mention that was before I was born. And, 
you know, it's it's been a while, right? It's been a while. It's it's like, for example, you know, there are great games that maybe historically, uh, you know, a, a game that maybe 10, 15 years ago I would have considered to put on a game uh, on a list like this. It's like o- Oklahoma, Nebraska, right? Great historic rivals, but like Nebraska, it's been so long, right? It's been so long since since we've been able to to do that. Do you think Miami will never get it back? I, I never say never because I think that, you know, Miami's still in Miami, obviously. But I I, I think that Miami has a very, very difficult road to, to actually get it back because I think that it is much less about the brand or recruiting terrain or anything like that. And I think that it's fundamentally about consistent investment and engagement by the university and also the fan and community around there. It's just, it's just tough. It's just tough. A lot of things have changed since then. I'm curious to see what Miami can do in NIL. They seem to be a little, they're aggressive, maybe a little scattered, but like if you, at least they have support in that way. And I do think Mario Cristobal might be the right guy. So I'm going to keep this door propped open. You sound like you're saying like, hey, Doug, why don't you just say Army Alabama? Oh, let's bring back a great team of the 40s and see if they can come back. No, I, I would love to see Alabama play against the University of Chicago, mostly because I'd want to see how they put together a football team. I don't know how they do it at this point. <laughs> Listen, if the, if the Maroons, if the Maroons are going to get it back, you got to go through the champ, baby. Listen, University of Chicago, you can't hide. You can't hide. You, you, th- you think that you can just overlook Princeton like that? Come on, Doug. Come on. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's the Maroons, right? Maroons? Yeah, no. Nah. I got nervous then. I was like, wait, no, Maroons, that's not right. No, it is. It's Maroons. I, I do think that if we did get Miami back, right? Because, like, Miami, it, it was a little, I mean, unfortunately, before my time when we really sort of saw the U going at that level, but obviously they're a program historically that has such an attitude and they're such an easy team to root for. It's so easy for casuals to kind of get on board with a team like that. I, I think it's hard. I, I would love to see it come back. I would love to see that team kind of have that attitude and that swagger. I just, I don't know. I, I don't know if they can get to that level again. I was growing up in Pennsylvania in the 80s. So I remember the Penn State Miami Fiesta Bowl and it was like, hey, it's Penn State, it's like Joel Paterno, like they don't even put names on the back of jerseys and right. the Miami guys like got off the plane in fatigues and it was like, oh my gosh, they're wearing camouflage. <laughs> like this is I don't even know what this is. What what is happening? And it was awesome. So like I want that version of like and then it was and then it was like sort of that version of the U against a very different style of football with what Penn State was doing. And I I could almost see a, like that kind of thing. And then we had Miami versus Notre Dame, which again, contrast, contrast. Everything that everybody that Miami played was a contrast back then, right? Because you hadn't seen Miami before. So like this version of Saban with what if you can get 60% of the U attitude back, and good players like that's that's what i want i want that contrast of like the kind of the 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 coach who's like emblematic of what college football is right now that paterno miami stuff just sticks in my head it was awesome 
I, I think that, and and again, we'll move off of Miami right after this. This is, you know, obviously they, they don't need to take up our whole discussion. It's a playoff show. It's a playoff show. I know Miami and Texas. Honestly, wait till we get to Texas. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. I mean, Miami's at least won more than one title since integration. But uh, no, I think that uh, <laughs> I, I think that my other thing with Miami and the Cristobal thing is that. I, I think he's good. I think he's a great recruiter, but like he is very actively also trying to tamp down on the like the you stuff, the like attitude and swagger stuff. And so it's kind of like, okay, well, if they're just trying to be like a regular good football team, then that's not really the fun of the you, is it? It's just a football team. Yeah. Yeah. Just a fun. That'd be a, that's a heck of a slogan. Just a football team, Miami. Because <laughs> he's like, don't call we, we don't need you. Cuban links anymore. We don't need a turnover chain. And it's like, wait, that's the only thing we liked about what you were doing. We're Miami. We have a beach. Okay, you're talking me out of this. What's what's the next one for you? So, um, you know, with with you, obviously, we're talking about two sort of uh, contrasting programs in some ways. For me, I'm. So the, the I'm going to start with this. I want to see Michigan play another elite level team, right? Because we saw them against Georgia and Georgia, I think is a horrible matchup for what Michigan does. They kind of do Michigan better than Michigan in some ways. Uh, that, that might be a little unfair, but I think that it's kind of accurate. They just do it better. I, I want to see them though. And we've seen them obviously against Ohio state. They are really, really good against Ohio state. I'm curious to see them against Clemson. I I think that this is kind of an in-between in some ways of what Ohio State and Georgia do. Uh, Obviously, defensively, Clemson is incredible. They've continued to be incredible. They've got one of the best defensive lines in college football. They develop at an incredibly high level. But then offensively, they still have the ability to be dynamic in a lot of ways. And looking in Clemson, has some work to do to get back to playoff caliber as well, to be clear. But I, I want to know, right? Is it just that Michigan has Ohio State's number? Is it that they can't actually compete with those other high-level championship caliber teams? Or is it just that Georgia is a bad matchup and TCU is just a matchup where they lost control of the rope? I, I don't really know the answer to this question. I think that I'm unfair to Michigan sometimes because I think that they just have this like mental mismatch versus Ohio State and it makes people think that their ceiling is higher than it is. Maybe I'm wrong. I'd love to be proven wrong. I want teams like Michigan to be able to compete and win at the highest level. And I think that Clemson is kind of one of those programs that maybe answers that question in some ways for us. I think that's a really good one. And it's also because they've never played. And really? I was going through and, and looking for this stuff. I was sort of searching for who were some of the teams that have never played because that makes it better. And I didn't stumble upon this one, but you did. And I do think it is interesting because I, I, I completely agree with your idea that we need more information about Michigan. Because at the moment, as you said, the information on Michigan is good matchup with Ohio State. They know what they're doing there. And then the other part of it is you kind of take it out into the world and you're not so sure about that. And that's based on mostly the semifinal against Georgia. And then they played Bama uh, in the Citrus Bowl at the end of the 2019 season and did not 
compete all that great. They played a non-conference with Bama at the, in, uh, the, in Jerry World to start the 2012 season. I remember that. Again, Bama neutral site game. Michigan got its butt kicked. But I want to judge Michigan against something other than they're handling Ohio State and they feel like they aren't quite Georgia or Bama. And Clemson's an ideal matchup for this and that they've never done it because neither of them and you know when Clemson was great Clemson wasn't doing it based on top three recruiting classes Michigan is not doing this based on top three recruiting classes but they're developing they have a culture like I I love this one Shahan I think this would be I think this would be super informative about both programs and that's what you want to do in these in these national matchups Definitely. And and again, I have to reiterate, I think sometimes I'm a little unfair to Michigan because I feel like they're in this weird in-between of being better than everybody below them, but like not close to anybody else at the top. And again, maybe it's just that Georgia rules, right? Like may, maybe it's yes. just that nobody can hang with Georgia. Uh, you know, again, the TCU game concerned me a lot. I know that it ended up being a close game, but like TCU outplayed them for three quarters or more of that football game, right? And maybe it was a focus thing. Maybe it was a matchup thing. I don't know the answer to that question, right? So I'd love to see Michigan play against another team that has top-end talent. Clemson is a top five-ish talent team in the country, which I think is a good gauge. Uh, They have elite position groups, especially on the defensive line, uh, especially, you know, at quarterback right now. I think with Kate Klubnick is going to be really good. They historically put out really good wide receivers, it's just, I think, a good stress test for Michigan. Uh, and if Michigan hung and if Michigan won that game, I think that I'd feel a lot better about not just the floor of Michigan, but also I'd be more intrigued with the ceiling of Michigan. Because again, the reality is nobody's going to look good if you compare yourself only to those other three teams in college football, right? The Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio state. It's a completely unfair bar for anybody to try to live up to, especially when you're talking about Georgia in this era right now. And so, yeah, I mean, I I'd love for Michigan to separate itself a little bit. I, I think that I would take Michigan probably if that game were played today and if that were to happen and if they were to come out and look really good, and especially if they were able to win convincingly in a neutral site, I I think it does change in some ways the way that I think about Michigan, especially depending on the way that game happens. Yeah, I love it. There's a little, I have some other things for both Clemson and Michigan, but I didn't have this one head to head and I love this pick. All right. I'm going to go again, looking for sort of traditional powers, maybe with not much of a history that I would like to see on a playoff stage. And there's a little bit of a, of a right now specific wrinkle to this. And I also want to make you talk about Texas. So I'm <laughs> going to go Texas Penn state. And I think there, I mean, this is two gigantic state universities. They played each other in the Fiesta bowl at the end of the 1996 season. They have played four other times in their history. The first one was back in the Cotton Bowl on January 1st, 1972. Uh, Penn State has a 3-2 edge in the series, but again, they haven't played in more than 25 years. And if you, in the next two years, I think we're, you and I are both intrigued by Penn State. We both think they might be super interesting in 2024. If you want to give me Drew Aller, Arch Manning in a playoff game in like a quarterfinal in 2024, sign me up. 
but also I just I'm tr- I was trying to find the right kind of matchups for both these programs. Penn State we think is a top ten program. Penn State is right at the next edge of. Penn State might be the. This is probably like a separate podcast for us. Penn State might be the best program that has not participated in this new playoff. That's that's possible. Texas is not, <laughs> but historically. Right, they're in that mix. I want to see. I want Penn State and Texas to both both make the playoff. And so now, do your thing. No, I, I like this. I do like this quite a bit. I do think that kind of what I was talking about with Michigan, with being difficult to slot them. I think Penn State's also kind of been in that mold too, because they are so clearly over the last two years not in the caliber of Ohio State and Michigan. For a while, at the end of the 2010s, I think that Penn State was at the level of Michigan, even though they weren't at the level of Ohio State. Uh, You know, look, Texas wants to earn their way back to the national stage. They do. And Penn State is a program that I think that if you're Texas and you want to do that and you want to be excited going to the SEC, I think you have to win this game if you want to be considered one of the serious SEC teams heading forward. And you're right, 2024 would be a perfect moment for this when you have a junior Drew Aller versus a sophomore Arch Manning. That would be incredible. We'd obviously see those running backs, Nick Singleton and Catron Allen, still in the rotation for Penn State in 2024. Uh, and for Texas, you know, again, you look at the receivers that they have coming in, it would be potentially year, what, four of the Steve Sarkeesian era if he's still around, which is a another situation but uh i do think that this would be a lot of fun i do think that this would be pretty informative this is like a good i I think that with a lot of my picks i've been thinking of semifinals or national championship games this is i think a really intriguing like you said quarterfinal game and this is the kind of game where there's going to be tons of intrigue whenever this kind of game is played early in the playoff and Look, sorry, I don't know if this is mean. Sorry, Texas and Penn State are not winning the national title in 2024. I I would bet against it right now. But I think that this is a good example of the kind of matchup that will be huge for both of these programs as they're ascending, and especially as they are both heading into this future of the SEC and Big Ten 2024 and beyond. Okay, so good. I feel good about kind of just like a random big time traditional power matchup. They're both in the top 10 all time for most wins in the history of major college football. So like that kind of thing is sort of what you're searching for a little bit. We have five down. What's the sixth one you want to see, Shahan? So this might be a situation where one team is just a less good version of the other team. But I really want to see Utah and I really want to see Georgia. These are two teams that are built so similarly. Obviously, fantastic, fantastic tight end play. Incredibly physical. Uh, You know, quarterback situations where they're able to uh, get the most out of the guys that they have, I think. Like, I'm not the biggest Cameron Rising fan, to be honest. But I think that the way that they use him is really smart and good as both a runner and a passer. I think you can compare it in some ways to the way that Georgia used Stetson Bennett. Uh, Andy Ludwig, their offensive coordinator, was really, really heavily courted by Notre Dame before ultimately he had to stay because of a weird buyout situation. I don't know. That was a weird, weird deal. But he's back. Morgan Scally at defense coordinator is back. You know, we talked about this pairing as being one of the best coordinator pairings that there was in college football. And, you know, especially with the with Todd Monken off to the NFL, I think that you could make a case that when you're looking at the totality of the coaching at Georgia and Utah, that 
Utah might have a slight advantage right now. I mean, just because Utah's good, this is not a shot against Georgia. I think Utah is potentially that good from a coaching perspective. So again, there is a there is a chance, there's a reality, or maybe it just comes out and Georgia does to Utah what it did to Michigan a, a couple of years ago. But I don't know, Utah's really good. And I think that they are somebody who has to be on this list. You know, you mentioned the best programs uh, and Penn State being one among them who haven't made the playoff. I think Utah will very much be in in our conversation too whenever that happens. Okay, that's a we'll do that next week. The best teams <laughs> that have not made the playoff. We Perfect. have to do. I, I didn't even say. Sometimes you do a podcast, you stumble into a podcast. <laughs> Utah's last three bowl games: Penn State and Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Last two games, bowl before that was Texas, right? So again, let's get Utah out in the world and keep playing these big time powers and see how Utah holds up. I like it. Okay, I have. There's a couple more. There's one I have to get to. There's one I really want to get to. There's a weird one that I just like to be weird. And then there's one that I'm going to do right now. And it's fanciful. It's fanciful. And it's not tomorrow. And it's not the next day. And it might not. It probably. I mean, it, the chances of it happening are, are never. If it happened, and it's not impossible, four or five years from now, if it happened, it would be the talk of college football every day until they played in this playoff game. Probably a first-round game. Give me Florida State against Coach Prime. Give me Florida (laughs) State, Colorado. The rise of the Buffs. Give me like 2027? Like a full, like a nice, like 23, 24, 25, 20, like the fifth year of, of Deion Sanders at Colorado, 2026, maybe the fourth year, like really got the recruiting going, motivating, great staff, great leader, Mike Norvell in Florida State. I've got a couple teams here because I think Florida State's coming back. We talked about that. Florida State, I think I picked to make the playoff this year, but I can't even, I don't, all right? I mean, I get it. Oh, oh, Colorado in the playoff. Like Colorado's been like arguably the worst team in in the Power 5 for the past couple of years. But come on, Sean, how gigantic would this be if it happened in a playoff game? <laughs> Man, this game could happen in like the Liberty Bowl and it would be the talk of college football over the playoff <laughs> before we headed into it. I got to give a quick shout out to to my guy, RJ Young over at Fox Sports. He put out his preseason top 25 rankings. He has Colorado at 20, basically saying, oh, well, Lincoln Riley flipped it in a year. Why can't Coach Prime do it at Colorado? To which the answer is he's at Colorado. They were the worst team in the country last year, man. They yeah, they just I were. I Like if if they go five and seven, they should be thrilled. The, this schedule is hard. <laughs> it is not going to happen quickly. But putting all that aside, let, let's say that they do get to the point. And, and let's also, I think the other part of this too, is that maybe by the time that Coach Prime is coaching a playoff team, it's maybe not Colorado. <laughs> He's I know. I mean, this is really, it's just like the Lincoln-Riley thing is like a Lincoln-Riley argument. It's like, give me Coach Prime against Florida State in a playoff game. Yeah. But this, this would be a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, there's not bad blood. I don't want to go that far. But I mean... Dion went in and stole the guy who was supposed to save Mike Norvell's job in Travis Hunter, the number one player in the country in the class of 2022. That was a huge deal. That that mattered a lot. And now, 
you know, thankfully for for Mike Norvell, they got things back on track and they're going to be fine and they're going to be good. And and they, you know, we've talked about it. Might be a playoff team this upcoming season. But man, when the prodigal son returns home, oh. especially, especially, especially if it's an on-campus game at Florida State, that would be pretty incredible. I, I don't know... <laughs> Has there ever been a game that would be like that? I, I'm trying no. to think. To think about a player as great as Deion Sanders was right. going back to coach against his school. I mean, honestly, I mean, Marcus Freeman, right, as the head coach sure. at Notre Dame in his first true game as the head coach going back to Ohio State. But Marcus Freeman as a player at Ohio State was one one hundredth of what Deion Sanders was. And even that was a big deal. So sure. I don't know what the comparison would be. I, I feel like maybe the closest example of what we have, and this isn't exactly the same by any means, but like, you know, when Kirby Smart came back to Tuscaloosa in some ways, right? Because you have this sort of like, he's so integrated in both programs. He was such a big part of what Alabama did defensively. Like there are some similarities there, but obviously you don't have the emotional on-field attachment that you do with Deion Sanders. This is crazy. If we think about the greatest players in modern college football history, right? What if Charles Woodson came back to coach against (laughs) Michigan? What if Peyton Manning came back to coach against Tennessee? What if Tim Tebow came back to coach against Florida? What if Archie Griffin came back to coach against Ohio State? How do we even even (laughs) start to wrap our heads around this kind of thing. That's that's the part of it that would blow the doors off, which is why I snuck it in here, even though he's in Colorado right now. But also, <laughs> I certainly am on the list of people who believe Deion Sanders has a chance to be a successful, important coach in college football for many years to come. I think this has a real chance to work, whether it's at Colorado or whether it's at Colorado for three or four years. And hey, man, that's a really nice nine and four season at Colorado. And all of a sudden, some, you know, Clemson came calling when Dabo left or Texas came calling or, you know, Michigan came calling when Jim Harbaugh went to the NFL, that kind of thing. Maybe it's not a Colorado, but this does not seem impossible to me that Deion Sanders will be the coach of a playoff team in the next five to ten years. (laughs) Top that, top that. Boom. (laughs) Well, I I feel like I feel like with these last couple, we've kind of opened the door to just going off the wall and like doing things that are much more personal than they are impactful, I guess you could say. And I'm going to go uh, I'm going to go steer all the way into that one. I'm going to go with UCF versus Florida. Florida. Ooh, Florida I like it. Yeah, they, they did play in a bowl game two years ago and UCF won pretty easily. And Florida fans were like, well, we weren't even good that year and we didn't even want to play, et cetera, et cetera. Well, UCF's about to join the Power Five as a member of the Big 12. And we can get into a whole Power Two versus Power Five discussions. We got it, Mike Oresco. We heard you. But uh, but obviously, the teams in Florida, and I think that you could insert Florida State uh, in this place instead for Florida. Basically, the teams in Florida have tried everything in their power not to platform UCF because, you know, UCF is a very young program. They have only existed for 
30, 40 years, something like that. Uh, the school has only existed since like the 60s or 50s. It is a giant commuter school, the second biggest school in the country. And Florida and Florida State have been like, why would we want anything to do with that? And UCF fans will let them hear about it. And in 2017, obviously, UCF went undefeated and basically was like, well, everybody's too scared to play us. And we refuse to play, you know, um, a, a two for one, right? If, if we're going to schedule a game in Florida, use that as an excuse to not schedule UCF, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, there's a lot of history here is the point. UCF fans are extremely loud, extremely online, extremely annoying. And I think them making the playoff and getting to play against one of these major historic Florida schools would just be absolute chaos. We got to see this a little bit. Again, I think it was the Gasparilla Bowl and and UCF like doubled Florida's attendance at that game because UCF fans were so excited to see it. And now, I, I mean, basically, we'd be in a situation where we would get teams to play each other where you couldn't say that it was just about stakes that the result happened one way. Uh, you know, because this would be a big game. This would be a playoff game. So I think that would be a lot of fun. Again, this is going to be a very niche game. This is not going to be the talk of college football, but it is going to be the talk of the state of Florida. No, I love it. And I, I that whole like like big brother, little brother, little brother's coming. Big brother doesn't even it's not that big brother wants to fight little brother, it's the big brother wants to run away because they know this might be a changing of the tide. I, I love that idea. And it's the evolution of college football. Right. This is good for college football. It's great to have traditional blue buds. It's also great to have schools who have not been that since the 20s rise up and be like, hey, and this I don't know that. I mean, is UCF a long term fit in the Big 12? I don't know what the conference they'll be in or what college football will look like or 10 or 20, 15 or 20 years. But this is a smart jump for them now. Go in, compete, see what happens, get even more support, get even better recruiting. And all of a sudden, it it's borderline been that, but this has been a state with three traditionally good football programs that people care about. And maybe it'll just be four, right? Yeah. Once upon a time, there were three networks. It was CBS, ABC, and NBC. And then uh, they made a cartoon <laughs> and Fox came along. And now we have The Simpsons and Fox is the fourth network. Maybe UCF <laughs> can be the fourth network. No, and, and I think the other thing that I'll mention is that you can insert in this place really any of these like in-state historic program versus non-historic program battles. I think that there's a lot of versions of this, uh, you know, one that will never be a playoff game that that it refuses to get played is Arkansas versus Arkansas State. Arkansas never schedules Arkansas State because they don't want to open the door to the possibility of losing that kind of game and setting themselves back. There's so many examples of games like this uh, wherever like a, a smaller team is like, just let us have a chance. Let us play you guys, whatever, whatever. And the bigger program is like, no, we have nothing to gain from that game. UAB. It will, you know, playing against somebody like Auburn would be fascinating, right? Like it would be a lot of fun. There, there are so many examples of this across the country. Uh, I, I don't know the politics of this one as much. You know, I'm sure that like a Cincinnati, Ohio State would be a lot of fun if Cincinnati was rolling at the time. And they've done it. Ohio State in its national championship year almost lost to Cincinnati in Paul Brown Stadium. But then they did play a couple years ago and 
Ohio State steamrolled them. But yes, there's a lot oh, of yeah, there's a forty two to zero game. I do remember that one. Yeah, yeah so there's a, there's so, a lot of danger to that. There's there's a lot of danger. There's absolutely if you're if you're the the big brother, there's absolutely nothing to gain from these games and forcing these teams to play each other is a heck of a lot of fun. That's eight down. We're going to go at least to 11 because I'm saving the one that was actually number one on my list. And I'm just going to save it until the end. Okay. But I do have a number nine. We're going to come back and do that next in the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. All right, Shahan, I am now going to pick a game that has been played, if I'm checking my math correctly, on Wikipedia 65 times. This has been an intermittent, sometimes traditional rivalry, and they just played, but they haven't played in the playoff. And this is one of those where I talked about the torch passing. And I want to see Clemson, Georgia in a playoff game because the first game of the 2021 season, when Georgia beat Clemson in that super low scoring game, two good defenses, was a torch passing to a degree that I don't think any of us understood at the moment moment because it passed the torch from we were the team that could hang with Bama to now you are the team that can hang with Bama. And if this had been honestly a two team playoff world for the first seven years of the playoff Clemson Bama, Georgia beats Clemson to start year eight of the playoff era and Georgia wins the next two national titles. And they end up going through Alabama to win the first one. So I want to see Georgia and Clemson now play on this stage because they're 70 miles apart. They've played 65 times in history. They played four times in the 40s, two times in the 50s, seven times in the 60s, nine times in the 70s, eight times in the 80s, four times in the 90s, and then they kind of stopped playing each other. So they played in the regular season in 03, 13, 14, and 21. They're right down the street. They compete against each other for recruits. But they're not not in the same conference. They're not in the same state. But they're in the same context. So let's do this. And the great big giant national stage, let's do Georgia Clemson. I'd love to see it. You know, you said that they're 70 miles apart from each other. And I used to do that drive all the time because my then girlfriend, now wife, lived in Durham, North Carolina at the time. And I lived in Atlanta. And I just kind of like blanked about the fact that I drove past Clemson probably 15 times that year. But yeah, they are very close. This is a a, a historic rivalry in a lot of ways. And, you know, the thing is that 2021 opener for Clemson and Georgia, I think in a non-playoff way ended up becoming a passing of the torch in some ways. And it could have gone either way. Remember that game was decided by, I think it was a Christopher Smith pick six and if that play doesn't happen and Clemson finds a way to win the football game Georgia's not in the playoff in 2021 at all and Clemson might be even with two losses because they'd have a win over Georgia so I I think that this could be a huge game I'm honestly kind of surprised that we haven't had it as yet it's just kind of worked out that way we haven't seen both these programs be at their best at the same time and I would love to see that change Okay, glad you're on board. Let's have them do it again. All right, number 10 on the list, what do you have? So this is another one uh, like Florida UCF where I picked one, but it's kind of representative also of another type of game. And that is the revenge game. There is a coach last year 
that left for a job because he said one of the greatest programs in the history of college football oh, yeah. was is not a place that he believed he could win at a high level. And actually, now that I said that, I might actually be switching which one I'm picking <laughs> because there is anger. There is anger. I was originally going to go with LSU Notre Dame. I yeah. think I might go with Oklahoma USC instead. <laughs> oh, it's the same thing oh which one's angrier yeah yeah i i think we'll see i i think that lsu notre dame might be a bigger deal but oklahoma usc is angrier because oklahoma is so clearly downgraded am i allowed to say that i'm trying not to say that too loud i want to make sure oh, they don't hear me but i love <laughs> you take both take both i want both give us let's both. have them both be quarterfinals in 2024 <laughs> take both so so lsu notre dame is so interesting because brian kelly i i don't know exactly how the vacay this stuff works but left as the winningest coach in the history of notre dame the most historic program in all of college football and then left and basically said, well, you can't win at the highest level at Notre Dame anymore because you can't recruit the way that you need to. And by the way, Brian Kelly's gone to LSU and LSU does recruit itself. They have a top five recruiting class this year. It's a little different recruiting at LSU than it is at Notre Dame. But also worth noting, some young kid named Marcus Freeman came on in uh, after a slow start, really figured things out, I think, by the end of his first year. And then they brought in the best recruiting class they've had in a hot minute, and they have an even better recruiting class in 2024 coming in. So you got two programs that are forever going to be compared to each other because of this decision. And I think getting to uh, to kind of get that revenge on the national stage would be absolutely huge. And, uh, you know, now the, the Oklahoma-USC one, they're, oh my gosh, I don't think... I know people know that there's anger in Norman, but I don't think that people understand how much anger there is in Norman. Mm. Oklahoma has never gotten left before. The last time a college coach left for another college job and left the, the University of Oklahoma was 1947. That's the last time that happened. The last time that Oklahoma had to make any external coaching hire was 1998. That's the last time. And that was Bob Stoops. And two years later, they won a national championship. This is uncharted waters for a program that I often say is one of the two best run programs in all of college football, along with Ohio State from an administrative level. Now, look, Brent Venables is allowed to have a bad first year. That doesn't mean that everything is over and all is lost by any means. But. It sure looks like the special playoff sauce might have left the building, too, with Lincoln Riley going, because we got to remember, you know, Bob Stoops uh, obviously was incredibly successful at Oklahoma, but things had grown stale by 2014. Uh, they went eight and five that year. They got shut out. Actually, again, there's so many weird co comparisons between Lincoln Riley and Ryan Day, but uh, 2014. Uh, Oklahoma plays Clemson, gets shut out in a, in a bowl game. 2015, they hire Lincoln Riley, some relatively unknown assistant from East Carolina to take over the offense. They're immediately in the playoff in 2015. They're immediately in the playoff in 2017, 18, 19. And they left and they're a six and seven program. Whereas Lincoln Riley had USC literally a Caleb Williams injury away from the playoff. So there is so much anger right now because Oklahoma fans are not used to this at all. This would be an incredible first round matchup. I pray that somehow it ends up on Oklahoma's campus, even though I think USC will probably be the higher seed in, in this matchup in the in the uh. soon future. But 
oh my goodness, both of these matchups would be absolutely electric. You're bringing the heat here at the end. I had LSU <laughs> Notre Dame on my list. I did not have USC Oklahoma, but USC Oklahoma is even better because the anger is greater. But I could see both. I don't. Not, neither of these are fanciful, which is again, oh, thank goodness the 12 team playoff is coming. This is just what the world's going to be. These are the kind of games that we're going to get on a regular basis. So I have, I made a list of 10. We have covered six of those so far. So if you will briefly indulge me, I'll run through the other, the other three that I'm not going to list. And then I'm going to get to a number 11, which is actually my number one. So I was going through, I found an old story of the teams that Notre Dame, Notre Dame has a lifelong independent that just has been able to play and wants to play everybody across the country. They've only there's only like 40 teams in major college football that they haven't ever played. The best ones are like Texas Tech, Mississippi State, and Arkansas. So I put Notre Dame, Arkansas on this list because again, I was looking for teams that never played. But I had them tenth. But your Michigan Clemson was even better than that. Again, Florida State coming out into the world. I was looking for contrast. They haven't. They don't have much of a history with either Ohio State or Michigan. They've played both those schools three times in their history. Once in a bowl game, twice in the regular season. So I'm interested in Florida State, either against Ohio State or Michigan. And then the other one, just to be weird, it would be better like right now this year is USC versus USC, Southern California versus (laughs) South Carolina, Lincoln Riley versus Spencer Rattler, right? Like let's – like I don't know what Shane Beamer and Spencer – like I don't know how – okay, just South Carolina, just get to the playoff this year right now. Can we do that? We, we got to cut this and put it on so that South Carolina fans can jump in our mentions and be like, did you know that we were USC before California was even a state? Did you yeah. know that? Huh? Did you know that? I, I don't think that you knew that. Did you know that? They've played twice in their history in 1980 and 1983. And don't we want to have that fight over initials? Who doesn't want to fight over initials? Come on. That would be great. A month of that in the buildup. Who's the real USC plus Riley Rattler? Oh, <laughs> but here's my real number one. And I, again, people know, I also, I am in Ohio. I've covered Ohio State football since 2005. I also host an Ohio State podcast five days a week. And I was not ready for this a year ago. And I am now thinking, I mean, it almost happened last year and I'm getting myself ready. I really was not ready for it. I didn't think the fan bases were ready for it, but we have time to get ready for it now. And number one on my list is Ohio State, Michigan. I I was waiting for you to pick this one. I assumed you were going to pick it first. It is number one on my list, but I didn't want to talk about it right away because I wanted us to have a full-throated national coast-to-coast discussion. And now we can have this tiny little thing about what people say, and I agree, is the best rivalry in college sports. And it just would be nuts. And it was sprung upon people a year ago because nobody has thought about it this way. But then the 12-team playoff makes you think about it this way. And in a world where the Big Ten is going to go likely divisionless, which would open up a Big Ten championship game, it makes you think about that this way. The the idea of Ohio State-Michigan facing each other, not on each other's campuses, not in a regular season. It's going to happen. And it almost happened last year. And I just – it just like, oh my gosh, it's this crushing loss for Ohio State in the regular season. It's this great win for Michigan. And then what? We're doing it. Maybe the national title game? And if the committee would have decided it could have been in the in a semifinal, I I personally was like, I'm not ready for this. But now, in a world where I'm considering the fact here in March that maybe my pick for the national chat title game this year will be Ohio State-Michigan, 
I think we can gear up for it a little bit. And by the time the tw- and by 2024, you have to be ready for this. We have to be ready for everything. Nothing is off the table anymore in college football. We're going to start thinking about the sport in a different way. Maybe not better, certainly not necessarily worse, but different. All these things that existed in tiny boxes in a certain way, it's not that they're going to stop existing. It's that they're going to maybe exist in other ways. So maybe we'll see Auburn, Alabama in a playoff game, right? Maybe we'll see Clemson, South Carolina in a playoff game. Maybe we'll see Texas, Oklahoma, or USC, UCLA, all these things, right? But nothing is going to be as amplified as Ohio State, Michigan. But even before 2024, they might be two of the best four teams in the country again this year as they were last year. And we were, you know, a Michigan collapse slash some bad luck with the refs, whatever, from Michigan winning. And we were a missed field goal away from Ohio State winning. Neither of them got to the national title game last year. They both certainly could have, Shahan. And I don't know what Ohio State Michigan fans would have done. So now let's get prepped. And then it could be interesting. Okay, I, I do have to correct you. You were uh, two pick sixes from your top five quarterback away from from going to the national championship game but i digress i digress the guy's knee, uh, the guy's knee was probably not he should have been a touchdown oh, oh but, no but, oh my gosh uh they were down by three scores for most of the game anyway so uh i i think this would be fascinating one thing i'm yes. curious about and and you would obviously have a little bit more insight than me into this is so i think that uh for me i don't mind rematches i don't mind historic rematches i don't think that all these things just need to be you know, sort of held, held like this, right? But if you're the Big Ten, you're about to, I assume, move to some form of divisionalist scheduling. I don't know if we've confirmed confirmed that, but I assume that that's the no, assumption. No, not confirmed, but the assumption, yes. Yeah, uh, because it's about to be a 16-team Big Ten. So we could be looking at a situation where we have the game and the conference championship game, which could also feature the game, and then potentially the game again in the playoff. And if that were the case, the game would be played also in consecutive weeks with the final version and the Big Ten Championship game. I wonder, I mean, you can't, I can't imagine they'd ever consider moving that game off the final weekend, right? Nope, but like, nope, how do you, nope, 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 so nope, would they nope, just be nope. like, all right, it's just, you know, we just might see that game three times yes. in five weeks. The world's changing. Now, this was a huge thing when the Big Ten first went to divisions. Michigan and Ohio State were in opposite divisions in legends and leaders. <laughs> they were in opposite. And that was one of the worries was what if these are the two best programs? What if they wind up what if they wind up facing each other in back to back weekends? And then it never happened before. And then when they went east and west, they put Ohio State, Michigan in the same division. So it hasn't been a consideration since then. But you're just going to have to let go. Everybody's going to have to let go and lean in and even not lean in, but at least stand your ground and accept it of this is the new reality. And there's nothing quite doing it, like doing it in your home stadiums on your home campuses where somebody's the enemy and somebody's the hero and you go back and forth every year. No neutral site game, whether it's in Indianapolis or whether it's in a playoff spot is ever going to be like that. But it's the NFLification of college football. The Browns and the Steelers hate each other. They play twice a year, once in Pittsburgh, once in Cleveland. 
And then when the Browns won their first playoff game, whatever it was three years ago, in two decades, it was by beating the Steelers. And nobody said, oh, God, Browns-Steelers for a third time. It was like, let's go. Let's do this. So everybody's just going to have to come around to this new world. But it was going to be thrust upon everybody last year. And I just don't think people were ready because 2024 is making us get ready for that. And now in the final year of this version of the playoff, you know, we just have time. I think everybody will get there, Shahan. And if you don't get there, too bad because the sport's moving on without you. But you have to, you just have to sit down with yourself as a college football fan and talk through what's definitely going to be different, what might be worse, but what could be better. So it's March. So, you know, let's work on this for the next couple months and years. So, so I have a sort of, I guess, a pro and a con. And so a, from a con perspective, or I guess just like a negative perspective. Yeah, I mean, so much of college football is built around the idea that of, of kind of that scarcity, right? Of the fact that there's only one the game and it's the only thing that matters. And like you said, we're, we're moving away from that. I, I'm going to be curious uh, for kind of the way that the Big Ten is marketed, especially if Ohio State and Michigan continue to be the two top teams, and especially if they're the two top teams over USC, if they are the class of the Big Ten. I'm curious what that does to the rest of the Big Ten, if the rest of the, you know, because I mean, we've, the last two years, it's been in some ways a one-game season for both these programs. Now, I, I don't think that actually ends up becoming an issue, but it's going to be something I think to watch whenever we do move into this expanded age. Uh, the pro, you know, I was there in 2018 when Texas and Oklahoma played Red River for the second time in the Big 12 championship game. And the reality is there was no concern from any Texas or Oklahoma fans that they were somehow selling this rivalry by playing it in the Big 12 championship game. It was incredibly exciting. It was the most well-attended Big, uh, Big 12 championship game that we've ever had. Uh, it was a great game. It was a competitive game. Oklahoma won, actually avenged their loss to Texas from earlier in the year as well, which ended up being, I think, really exciting for people. So I don't think there's going to be less excitement for this game, even if it gets played over again. So it's kind of pros and cons. You know, like you said, the reality is it's happening, whether or not there are pros and cons. Uh, But it's going to be fascinating whenever that game or, you know, again, like you said, or if the Iron Bowl, or if like there there are a handful of these rivalries, like less than five, that are truly game changing national rivalry rivalries. I, I think Red River would be one of them as well. And when we do get one of these in the playoff, is going to be so fascinating. And while it might be more interesting to play them in home stadiums, I think it's actually going to be more fascinating. Maybe whenever they do get played at neutral sites how those games go, how it, what the excitement is and, and how those games are sort of portrayed to the public. So I was getting nervous there when you were saying you were at the Oklahoma, Texas big 12 title game in 2018. And I thought you were going to say, and the atmosphere was awful. It stunk. And I was like, Oh <laughs> no. no, Oh no. And then you're like, no, it was great. I was like, Oh, was great. okay. Was great. Then we're all good. And it's one of those things like whether you're, if you're an Ohio state fan or a Michigan fan, and it's like, oh, yeah, they're meeting They're meeting again on a neutral site. You're going to be like, I'm not watching that. It's not the real game. <laughs> no one's going to be like that. The one thing that is, I, I do think is going to happen is 
so you, you play uh, Ohio State, Michigan the last week of the season. I'm sure incredibly well attended, incredibly exciting game. Rematch in the Big Ten title game with both teams on track to go into the playoff. Nobody, I think, is going to care about that Big Ten title game at all. I, I, I think that people are going to really not care. Like which people? I mean, especially I think that fans are going to save their money and try to make it to the playoff game, I think, is one part of it. No, that that's not going to happen because so like nationally, people might not care. Michigan and Ohio State and football hate each other whenever they play. You could play in a parking lot in Toledo and they'd hate each other. So they're going to hate each other. And there are enough Ohio State Michigan fans to go around. It's like some people will be like, well, I can't go that's to the playoff. I'm that's going totally to fair. They won't run out of, they won't run out just- of dislike <laughs> and they won't run out of fans with disposable income. <laughs> that, that part's true, too. They're, they're just going to move the game to uh, they're, they're just going to move the game to Cleveland or something and just be like, we don't we don't need to make y'all go drive all the way to Indianapolis. It's Cleveland Bowl. Cleveland yeah. Bowl. There you go. What, what's in the middle? Uh, you know, because obviously they play Toledo. Red River. Toledo. <laughs> That's in the middle of the Don't team. start. I know sports writers in Toledo. If we start suggesting that they play an Ohio State Michigan playoff game in Toledo, they will do a 25 <laughs> no, no, no. Big Ten title game. Big Ten title tomorrow. game in Toledo. Big Ten title game in Toledo. No, it's a Mac. It's a Mac town. So, like this is it's going to be. There's a way in it. There's a way in which you'll yearn for the old days. The thing that I didn't like, and we'll do this in 20 seconds. I did not like the idea of Ohio State Michigan meeting in a Big Ten title game when they were an opposite size of legends and leaders because it's to what end? Why? And it was because they just decided to split them up for no reason. Geographically, it made no sense. They just split them up for the heck of it to somehow now make both games worse. Because now, and in a world where back then there was only like two teams making the national championship, it's like, well, what if. Like you might have like the 2006, right? You that's before they split the legends leaders, but you had like a one two game. Now you're going to play it again and you might split, and the result is nobody goes to the national title game and you lessen both. You don't enhance either by doing this. And why are you doing it? You don't have to do it. You can have them in the same division. What are you doing? And then Dave Brandon in Michigan idea was like, hey, man, I don't know, what if we move it off the last weekend? And it was like, do you understand this at all? So <laughs> that was a no-go. You can't move the regular season yeah. game in service of a title game that shouldn't be happening. So that was – what's it in service of? This world, if you're divisionless because you've invited California teams because the sport is growing, whether you like it or not, it's a 12-team playoff. More teams are going to get in. You're inevitably going to meet there at some point. The world has changed. Back then, the Big Ten had just changed for the heck of it. So now, at what end? What end is the growth and the change of this sport? And that means there's going to be a day when Ohio State and Michigan play each other, not in Columbus and not in Ann Arbor, but it will be in service of something. And we can all wrap our heads around it. So let's get ready for it now. Let's get ready for Alabama-Auburn. Let's get ready for Texas-Oklahoma and USC-UCLA and Florida-Florida State and all the – Miami-Florida State, all these things that can now happen. Florida-UCF, of course, yeah. Florida-UCF. Listen to this list. Get ready for these. Get ready for Georgia-USC, USC-Ohio State, Alabama-Miami, Michigan-Clemson, Penn State-Texas, Utah-Georgia, Florida State-Colorado – UCF Florida, Georgia Clemson, USC Oklahoma, LSU Notre Dame, and Ohio State Michigan. Get ready for all of them because they've never happened in this era, in this college football playoff era, and they all might. Maybe this year in the 14 playoff, but certainly in the years ahead, 
in the 12-team playoff. Right, Shahan? People should be excited. But if you're not excited, we want to help you start wrapping your heads around it in a way to the point where at least you don't hate it, where at least it doesn't negatively affect your enjoyment of the sport. You can long for the old days, but don't turn your back on the new days. But also, maybe get excited for the new days, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'll also add one more addendum, which is uh, just the concept of programs that are big and historic and respectable having to host like the most insane fans on their campus. Like imagine the first Michigan Wazoo playoff game, like when Wazoo (laughs) fans are converging on Ann Arbor, Michigan in December and drinking the town dry. And Michigan fans be like, oh, don't worry, we've got enough beer and there's no such thing whenever Wazoo fans are coming to town. That's going to be incredible. The culture clashes we are going to find. Now, look, I I probably won't pick Wazoo to make the college football playoff, but if it ever happens, those sorts of situations are going to be absolutely incredible. When you get these clash of cultures, I mean, this is sort of the fun of the sport becoming nationalized is we are going to have some dudes from mid Florida show up in South Bend, Indiana. Like this stuff is going to happen with regularity now. And it's not going to be, you know, because right now the way that schedules are formulated, it's, it's a choice, right? You get to choose where you want to go, who you want to have <laughs> to your house. Essentially, this is going to go away. You are going to, have to watch some of these matchups uh, where where a program, again, like Florida, is going to host somebody who they absolutely have no interest in actually having in their home stadium. And that's going to be a lot of fun. I wrote down drunkest fan bases as a future <laughs> podcast topic. Too. Iowa State. Cute. Iowa State coming on over. It's going to be great. I love I love brainstorming on the pod. So we just like thinking about this stuff. It's fun to imagine this new future of college football, and this is a playoff show, and the playoff is changing. So we appreciate you guys being part of it. We have another kind of fun idea that will combine a, a lot of college football and a little bit of college basketball for our other show this week, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Make sure you're reading Shahan at CBS Sports. For now, for Shahan J. Haraja, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line.